0: Welcome to the CrowdChurch podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Good evening and welcome to the CrowdChurch live stream. Beside me is the talented and an authoress, no doubt, uh, the amazing person, which is Anna. Anna, how are we doing?
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Had a, had a nice, relaxing Sunday, actually.
0: Yeah. Have you finished your tea in time?
1: I have, yeah. <laughs> what the everyone was going watching, on. I was just like, while we were doing their sort of briefing for this, <laughs> I was just scoffing my dinner down. <laughs> but yes, I am more buried as well
0: yeah and we've got a full belly so that's good that's uh that's very good how about you guys how's your sunday going do write in the comments and say hi uh, it'd be great to hear from you uh i see matt Cruz in the comments already uh singing here comes the girls apparently trying to finish a level on candy crush you know what i've He's never actually play. played that game i don't i don't I, I, am i the only person on the planet that's never played it i don't have you played it
1: um, I've tried it. I, I'm not into Candy Crush. It's just not really my thing. I do like Wordle, though. I prefer Word games. You know, I'm a writer. It's another one that's,
0: I've not tried. Quite, uh, Wordle. Yeah. yeah. It's been in the news a lot, hasn't it, recently? Wordle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good.
1: Yeah, try It's supposed to expand your brain if you do it every day. Who knows if it actually
0: works? How are we going to measure the effectiveness of that? I don't know. <laughs> okay. oh, my my brain feels bigger today. It's working really well. <laughs> E <laughs> aí That's really funny. So, uh, do you play Candy Crush? Do you play Wordle? These are questions which may be interesting, but it's not the real reason why we're here. (laughs) We are an online church, uh, and this is our weekly online church service. So welcome to you if this is your first time with us. Big warm welcome, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching on catch up. It's great uh, that you're here. We would love to connect with you, and you can reach out to us by connecting with us in the far corner there, just above Anna's head, uh, is our website address, www.crowd.com church you can reach us through the website our whatsapp numbers on there all that sort of good stuff we would love to hear from you we're here every week so make sure you like and subscribe and come join us Uh, it'll be great to have you now anna what's happening today on crowd church i'm very excited for today so what's going on today
1: yeah well as it's been international uh, women's day earlier this week we're talking all about the role of women and what the bible has to say about women and we're going to be joined by the wonderful Hannah Sloan, who's a doctor uh, in women's health um, from Liverpool. And she's going to be doing a short talk for us. And then we're going to have a bit of a discussion about it afterwards. We're also going to spend a bit of time just praying for the Ukraine and the situation that's going on there as well. That's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very important. So we've got that coming up as well. And um, yeah. Talk by Hannah Sloan, which is Hannah has actually been on the crowd livestream before, but she did a talk okay. with her husband. Yeah, she's been on with James. Her and James did a talk a few months ago on what does the Bible say about work and money? I think was the title. Um, and so this will be Hannah's second visit to crowd. But she's going solo today. Uh, so uh, and she's she's wonderful and lovely. And I've heard the talk and it's very good. So you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that. So um, yeah, did you do anything special for International Women's Day?
1: Uh not really. I was just at work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just life carried on as normal. Uh, just it's... another day,
1: really. I mean, yeah. I, it's nice to celebrate women, isn't it? But no, it personally is. I not do anything. It is. Celebrate
0: the uh, Absolutely. And uh here at Crowd, we are a big fan of the uh, of the good ladies amongst our population, that's for sure. Uh so very good to celebrate uh women on International Women's Day. Very worthwhile. And like Anna said, we are gonna have this talk. What does the Bible say about women now? Just so you know, uh, again, if this is your first time watching anything to do with crowd, we are in a series called What Does the Bible Say About? And in that series, we're kind of working through a series of questions uh, that are kind of relevant to us today. Like, what does the Bible say about women or what does the Bible say about money and work? And looking at this ancient text uh, and going, well, what does it actually say? What guidance, what principles can we learn from it, and it's been a fascinating journey so far. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. We've talked about science, we have talked about anxiety, we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Truth last week was shown. It was a brilliant talk. If you've not seen that, do catch it. Uh, but that's enough rambling from me. Uh, we are going to jump straight into the talk. To- I just wanted to give that preamble to so let you know what was coming up. Uh, we are going to jump straight into the talk. Uh, so here is, here, here is, here is. It's not easy to say. Here You're is Hannah that. Sloan. Here yeah, is
1: Hannah just... Sloan.
0: <laughs> I'll do it for you. Yeah, go, go ahead, you do it.
1: Here is the wonderful Hannah Sloan with a talk on women and the Bible.
0: There we go. Brilliant. <laughs>
2: Hi, my name is Hannah Um, I am married to James. I'm a mum of three little ones and I am a doctor and in all my different areas of medical and non-medical work I'm an advocate for women and I've been asked today to speak about women in the Bible which to be honest <laughs> petrified me as it is a huge topic women in the Bible and because of that I've decided to look at a passage of scripture about a woman in the Bible who isn't even named but that really speaks to me time and time again. Every time I read this scripture, Jesus speaks to me about something of him. And so I thought it was a really important piece of scripture for us to talk about and discuss today. So I hope this piece of scripture speaks to you and I hope it gives you a deeper understanding of God's love for you. So this scripture is in the Gospels, Luke, uh, Mark and Matthew, but I'm going to read the scripture out today that's in Mark five twenty-five to 33. So Anne, a woman who, the, who was subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of growing better, she grew worse. your suffering. So just have a think, have a reflect about what that passage of scripture says to you, what it speaks to you about women and about how Jesus thought about women, felt about women and acted towards women because that is a good example of how we too should think about ourselves and how we too should act towards the women in our lives. So, I've got three points to make from this passage of scripture that I want to discuss and talk about today. The first point is that Jesus sees you, notices you, and he pursues you. The second point, that he loves you in a radical way, a countercultural way. And the third point is that he welcomes you. He accepts you as more than enough and as a daughter. And so we're going to briefly unpack those three points today and think about how that impacts us. So the first point was that Jesus sees you, notices you and pursues you. So in this passage of scripture, Jesus noticed that somebody had touched him. He'd noticed that somebody had touched his cloak. And rather than continuing to walk on, continuing to get on with his day, he stopped. He stopped and noticed this woman. Now, the disciples were trying to just dismiss it. They were trying to say, no, you know, loads of people were pushing you. It could have been anybody. But Jesus didn't dismiss it. He knew that somebody had touched him. He knew that somebody was seeking him out, that the power had left him. And he turned and he noticed this woman. He noticed her and saw her. He didn't dismiss her. He didn't continue walking. He didn't just notice that she touched him and continue on. He pursued her. He looked in the crowd to find where she was, to find the woman that touched his cloak, to see her. And this is what Jesus does with us. He sees and notices us in whatever circumstances we are in at the moment, in whatever we are going through, in whatever difficulties or challenges. He sees us and he pursues us. He wants to know us. He wants to be allowed to love us. In Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, seek and you will find. And I think this is a wonderful example of a woman who sought Jesus, who sought her healing, and found him, and found so much more, as we'll go on to discuss. So Jesus sees and notices us. He pursues us and as like this woman, we seek him, we will find him because he wants us to find him. He wants to be found by us. So the first point, Jesus sees and notices you and pursues you. Perhaps you will seek him and find him today. The second point is that Jesus loves us in a really radical way, a counter-cultural way. So this woman had been bleeding for 12 years, she had been seen as to be unclean, whatever she touched also in that tradition became unclean. And you can see from this passage that she fell trembling with fear. She would have been so fearful to have touched Jesus's cloak, to have touched a rabbi, a teacher, to potentially be making him unclean too. And so Perhaps she was fearing the harshness of Jesus. Was he going to be harsh to her? Was he going to shout at her? Was he going to humiliate her? Was he going to treat her as she felt she perhaps should have been treated according to the rules and regulations as someone who was unworthy, unclean? Maybe she felt unlovable. But Jesus did none of that. Jesus treated her as someone to be loved. He loved her by being there, by healing her, by noticing her. This was all a display of Jesus' love for her. He loved her in a radical, countercultural way, in a way that she would not have expected to have touched somebody, potentially made them unclean, and to have been healed by him. Jesus loves us amazingly, radically. And treats us well as women of God, so that is the second point that Jesus loves us like he loved this woman in a radical way. The third point is that he accepts us, and he treats us as more than enough. You know this woman came to him as it said, and told him her whole truth. She had been bleeding for all that time, she had felt perhaps as we've gone into rejected unclean, dismissed by people. She was fearful of coming to him. And yet Jesus didn't just heal her or show her his love or notice her, but he went one step further and he accepted her. He healed her and then the pinnacle, the crown called her daughter. He welcomed her as he welcomes us into his family. When we come to him as we are, with our whole truth, with our difficulties, our challenges, our baggages, the things we've done wrong, the things we've done right, the amazing things about us, and maybe the not-so-amazing things about us because we all have those things, he loves us and he calls us daughter. He accepts us as more than enough even when we don't feel enough. For him, so this is the amazing Jesus, a God who accepts us as daughter, a God who loves us in a radical way, sees us, notices us, and pursues us. So let's think about how this impacts us and how this impacts others so If you are a Christian, you should be modelling Jesus to others, to becoming more like Jesus as Holy Spirit works in you. And so the question is, are you modelling how Jesus treats women in your life, in your life and in your spheres spheres of influence? Are you modelling Jesus? And if you don't know Jesus, these are still pretty good principles to model that love and that inclusivity and that acceptance of women in your life. And if you are a woman, how are you embracing the God-given identity that you have as someone that Jesus notices, as someone that Jesus loves in a radical way and as a daughter of God? Have a think today, how are you embracing that identity? Because from that identity, from that identity comes who you are in life, how you behave, how you act, how you feel, how you think. If we live from that amazing identity, as women, as daughters of Jesus. Women are so important to God, We are woven throughout scripture. We are in his story throughout scripture. There is women throughout scripture who have shown courage, bravery, who have shown a faithfulness to Jesus like this woman showed her faithfulness and who have had much resilience. From the knowledge of these three points being seen, noticed and pursued by Jesus, being loved in a radical way, being accepted as a daughter of Jesus, as a daughter of God. I encourage you to accept these things and embrace them as your identities of daughters of God. If we can all embrace these, we can live a life full and fruitful, knowing who we are. So I pray and I ask that God and Holy Spirit would speak to you through these points, that you would know God's love and you begin to accept how Jesus treats you and feels about you. And his love for you.
1: Wow, so many great questions there that Hannah raised, so many good points in that, which we're going to get into unpacking in just a minute or two. Um, but first of all, we're just going to go to our worship and prayer um, section of Crowd Church. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time just thinking about and praying for the Ukraine and the situation that's happening there at the moment. Um, so in a minute, the, um, the screen will like bring up the prayers, and you can pray along. Um, just read the words, pray along if you feel able to, and then we'll move on to a song that, which will run straight afterwards. Just take some time and um yeah just a moment of reflection for you to have a think about what we've talked about and just think about the words and um let them touch you as you as you read them okay
0: Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, that they may live life without fear before you all of their days. Lord have mercy. Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945 and we simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above, which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield and full of mercy. Lord have mercy. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Give our many brothers and sisters in that nation courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. Lord, have mercy. You, Lord, make war cease to the end of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, but you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus we say, be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth. Lord, have mercy. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for uh, that prayer uh, for the Ukraine there. Uh, and uh, I don't actually know what I'm saying. Uh, it, it was. I, 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 it's one of those things, isn't it, with the Ukraine at the moment, um, Anna? I don't know if you find this, but um, it is so prevalent and so predominant in the news and so much... Yeah bad news uh which i can understand you know and there's so much fear and there's a lot to be afraid of in some respects that actually i find prayer is a very useful tool just to help sort of center everything what's going on and and uh, just recognize actually god's still god in in all of this i don't know about you
1: yeah i think so i think you can look on and it just feels in the natural it just feels so hopeless so big so unsolvable doesn't it by politics and economic sanctions and what have Mm. you that's going on. And and yet it's so good to step back and just be like, well there's something I can do which, Mm. you know, this doesn't all depend on us and on human and, you know, smartness or, you know, how savvy our leaders are, thank goodness. It, you know,
0: it's good to step back
1: and know that God is able to bring a resolution to this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So do keep praying for the Ukraine. We have put in the comments a link to 24-7, which is where that prayer comes from. It's from an organization called uh, 24-7 Prayer, uh, which is, uh, I think, headed up by Pete Gregg. And so um, there's a link in the comments if you would like more resources. For prayer for Ukraine, you want to know better how to pray, you want to pray with other people, um, and uh, you can get all of that information from their website. Do check it out, it's a really valuable link, very, very helpful. Um, And so, that's there. And they even have a global prayer room which you can go into uh, and pray with others from around the world if you would like to pray with others about what's going on in Ukraine. But do keep praying for Ukraine um, and for the situation that's going on over there now all of that said uh from uh international women's day all the way to crowd church live stream which for me is the best way to sort of round off international women's week uh you know we're we're the closing act and maybe on this week i don't know we're the the headline <laughs> <laughs> Taking uh, the best last <laughs> absolutely so let's get into this whole uh this whole thing now if you are outside of the church and you've never really done the whole church thing, then there's uh, there's probably a little bit of confusion here, which may just be worth clearing up. There are different schools of thought uh, about um, the role of women that come from the church, which sometimes have been very, very unhelpful, uh, I think. Um, and I mean, even society, society is, is you know, sexism exists in the society let's just be frank and let's just be real and so I think we're addressing this both from the the viewpoint of I've lived in this culture for a fair few years but I've also been in the church for a fair few years as I dare say you have uh Anna what are uh, and obviously you're you're a woman I'm a man let's just be totally clear on that from from the start uh what are your um what are your experiences sort of grow? because you grew up in the church right what are your experiences of as growing up as a woman in the church
1: yeah um it's an interesting question I I think it's been varied I think there's um yeah I think the church has changed a lot certainly the church in the UK um has changed a lot over the years I think mm when I was a kid growing up, I think it was very much still um, men at the front leading, men leading worship, men leading, definitely men preaching. And that was kind of the framework of church that I grew up with as a kid. I think as I got into university and into my twenties, like there was a bit of a shift in a lot of church thinking around how um, well, some churches were already doing it sooner than others but there was a lot more women in leadership mm. and it was also talked yeah. about more as an issue as I grew up maybe I also just become, became more aware of it as I got older but yeah it, it felt to me that like in the 90s there was a bit of a cultural shift towards realising that women had more to contribute in, mm. in, some, in a lot of church sort of contexts I know some churches were sort of ahead of others in terms of allowing women to sort of and really contribute and more than like just doing kids work or mm. giving you know it, it when I when I grew up in the 80s it was very much like women did the kids work or they did they did leadership but it was kind of feminine sort of areas like they could probably do worship mm. and like sing in the band um, and those are the kind of women you saw on stage but they weren't necessarily doing the like heavy lifting in church like preaching or mm. um you know they weren't yeah sort of in the position of leadership like running the church whereas I think you see that much more commonly now so I think it's yeah it's changed a lot even in my lifetime for sure
0: it has hasn't it it? and I and it's also um it's also changed I think in the the sort of the culture as well hasn't it mm-hmm. there's um, I was just reading then actually because you mentioned about International Women's Day I was kind of curious to, I didn't know the source of it I didn't know what kickstarted it and apparently it was kickstarted around 1910 by a German lady called Clara Zetkin uh, who was a communist and actually was not was pretty anti-feminism at that point uh, however feminism was defined back then but mm-hmm. sort of you know women needed to contribute from from her political standpoint an international mm-hmm. women's day was founded sort of over a hundred years ago which was a bit mad really um that it was only a hundred years ago but you know sort of there you go so i'd say it's interesting how mm-hmm. the church's attitude towards women have changed but also i mean how have you found it um just in society as general growing up uh in uh, yeah. in the uk
1: I think, I think you're really right actually i you know i think when you talk to most women my age but not for everyone, but the vast majority of people my age and older remember their mums being at home as housewives, you know, who raised them and mm. raised were at home raising a family. Not not necessarily like my mum always worked, she was a part-time teacher and what have you, but um she was certainly around, you know, sort of and took a l- large period of time out for quite a number of years to like raise a family full-time. And I think that that choice to be a full-time mum was still the predominant norm when Mm. I was growing up, when I was a kid. Whereas I think now I would look at, like, most of my peers and the vast majority are, like, working mums. And I think, you know, the norm much more now is to send your children to nursery and go Mm. back to work as soon as you've had a child, really. Maybe take a year off. But, yeah, I I think the cultural shift within a generation has been, and most of it's good, like, that women can do can be a mother and do a career and, you know, do it all. Mm. Um, I think that there's downsides of that in that it's hard to do it all well. And, um, you know, there's lots yeah. of pressure on women. But I think, I think it's just that shift culturally is huge. And I think, yeah, the church probably just reflects something broader around the fact that women's roles have changed a lot in a generation or two, I think.
0: Yeah. Sharon's put here in the comments, when my nan was in her 50s, uh, that would have been uh, trying to understand uh, Sharon's grandmother that would have been about 50 years ago so we're talking what the 1960s 1970s maybe 1960s 1970s uh, she trained for the ministry and then helped pastor the church we belong to my grandfather fully supported her and I admire mm-hmm. them both a lot for that which I think is you know that's a that was not the usual ploy no, see, uh, that wasn't, was no, it? and it's I mean Sharon's grandparents were just remarkable I, you know they, they, they've both gone to be with the lord now but yeah just remarkable people uh matt cox has put here when i was a teenager the person who had the most influence on me about the christian faith was my mum's friend who was a female vicar mm. and again this is going back probably to the 80s uh, i'm not you know predicting matt cox's age but i i can't i do know uh and so you know you're sort of female vicars in the 80s were again, weren't the norm, were Correct, they? Yeah.
3: Um,
0: we had a female prime minister in the 1980s, Mrs. Margaret Thatcher, which again was a little bit unusual. Um, and so, yeah, I, what did you think to... I mean, I, it's interesting the, the culture that you've grown up in and the culture in, that I've grown up in and, the, and the, the changes that we've seen in both society and in the church uh, over the last few years. Um, just sort of tying it back to Hannah's talk. Phil uh, wrote... Um, here, I wonder how the crowd reacted to what Jesus did, uh, referring back to this woman that Jesus healed in the crowd. Uh, I think jesus 's behavior would have been shocking talking to the Samaritan woman breaking gender and cultural taboos were massively counter it 's all massively countercultural how Jesus did it, um, and it makes me wonder how inclusive we are, which I think is a great question isn't it? how inclusive yeah are we and just tying that back into hannah's question like how do we how well do we model how jesus treated women i think is such a phenomenal question um and i guess from your point of view hannah as a as a woman um how how do you think society is doing and how do you think the church is doing
1: well that's a big question um
0: deep end welcome
1: yeah i yeah i think um it's a really important question to keep checking in on isn't it i think mm. jesus um treated women and treated everyone that he came across um regardless of race regardless of religion or background or what sex they were he treated them all with respect and incredible dignity that came just from that in they inherited you know they seem to inherently carry that because they were people and they were worthy of loving you know to jesus Um, But I think, you know, how well are we doing as a society Um, and as individuals? I think it's something we should just keep checking in on, isn't it? I Mm. think, you know, at core, that question is how loving are we?
3: Mm.
1: You know, how much do we love ourselves? How much do we love those around us? And I think the answer is we could always be better. You know, like I would like to think I'm someone who treats other people around me with dignity and respect. And I think we would all like to think that about ourselves you know the vast majority of us and yeah it's a challenge isn't it do we mm. do that with everyone we come into the pathway? like where where my sort of um areas of challenge are is like when i'm busy or rushed you know like if mm. if i'm rushing through i don't know a, a checkout in a shop and the cashier being slurred, you know how much dignity am i giving that person am i looking them in the face am i you know making them feel um worthy and to me it's not even and it shouldn't be really an issue of gender or sex or anything like that it's you know it's about everyone just has an intrinsic value and Mm. and i think that's something we can always get better at you know that that's constant challenge like how living am i being how how much how much of like jesus's love for this person am i showing as a christian as well um so yeah that's a question that's yeah, we're doing better, I think, as a society on a whole. But oh. I think there's always room for growth, isn't there? there yeah, certainly there
0: is in my life. There is, and I think if I talk directly to the men watching the broadcast, I think this is a very good question you should ask yourself, uh, and perhaps ask your partner uh, how well you're doing, um, or the, the the females in your life, like you know, your, uh, whoever. Yeah. But I I think it's such a powerful question. I remember. um I remember. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't think I was there. Uh, Matt Crew would say I was there. But when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, right, and um, there's this really interesting event that happens. Uh, they eat the forbidden fruit. As we know the story, uh, God tells them not to. They do it and creation plummets into darkness as a result. And one of the things which I find fascinating in this story, uh, I was talking to Sharon about this earlier, is that um, when that happens, right? Uh, the, the Bible talks about how they how they both knew that they were naked, right? They didn't know this before, but all of a sudden now they know it and they feel ashamed. They're vulnerable all of a sudden that they, they, something's not right. And so what happens is Adam hides from God. And so this is a really interesting point about men, that when they realize they're naked or vulnerable or, you know, there's shame, they hide and they usually hide from God and God's like hang on where are you this is not right you know we should be having conversation and the first thing that adam does at this point uh, when god says what's going on is adam blames the woman that's his default position uh, it's not to take responsibility it's to cast blame and to cast blame on the woman and history is littered with men doing this in a massive way where I'm not taking responsibility I'm going to blame the woman you know and all kinds of trouble has ensued as a result uh, there's no doubt and I I guess one of my one of my pleas to men is actually the easy thing to do it's such a, a simple get out clause is just to blame the woman the you know and, and and I and I I think when I asked myself this question am I modeling Jesus's attitude towards women it's like how how much am i am I blaming you know the female of the species versus taking personal responsibility and i think it's such a powerful question such a powerful I think, question
1: i think you're right matt and you know particularly when you think of areas like where women are disrespected because of their bodies or whatever mm-hmm. it's you know i think it's so easy isn't it and that is definitely something i've heard not propagated by all churches, but in some cult- church culture in the past, that idea of like, oh, if men are looking at women, it's because women are dressing wrong or inappropriately or they're encouraging it. And I think, yeah, I, I think that's where men could take more responsibility. And actually, it's interesting that you bring up the the um, Genesis um, kind of creation story, because I think, you know, does some of that come from that original sin story? You know, like, has that just bullied kind of you know that whole that whole thing of like um where where like men have taken more of a lead in church historically and been seen in some sort of um sections of christianity throughout history as like the strongest sex as it mm. were is that where it comes from is that how it's re- you know is that how mm. like religious groups have sort of teed that off and you know while well, it was you know it's that blame thing again isn't it and actually when you look at that scripture in totality there's um you know that whole the bit before before the fall happens before sin comes into the world it's like god makes man and then he makes woman and he says it's not good for man to be alone and mm-hmm. so i'll make him a fitting helper and um and it's that word helper that often gets miss misused i think or yeah, misinterpreted like i don't we don't have because it's obviously the bible was written in hebrew and i don't think we have an exact word for the word Ezer, which was mm. the word that's used and so it's been translated in a lot of scriptures as helper but i think helper sounds like oh you're the leader and i'll be the helper mm. you know yeah. so like there's a yeah inequality to that and like a sub almost like that's where the whole thing of women being more subservient i think mm. has come from um or a lot of that kind of belief through throughout the ages and actually that uh, something I read recently was that that word Isa is also used about how God is described in the Bible so mm-hmm. the same word Isa that's used about how women, that, well the first woman Eve was made to be a helper of Adam
3: mm-hmm.
1: is the same word that it says um, repeatedly in the Bible for God is our helper
4: mm-hmm.
1: and you wouldn't think of God being in any way subservient <laughs> to us would you, far from it so it's more like a it's more like a incredible partner i would Mm -hmm. say the incredible you know person who comes alongside and strengthens us and that that's a better interpretation of the word
0: yeah Um, absolutely and actually it's a position of strength isn't it when you look at that word it's actually this and one of the things that you know if i look at the 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 women who have had a big impact in my life you know my mum i you know practically my parents divorced when I was nine. So I grew up with my mum, very strong, stoic woman. Um, my wife, very strong lady. The strength of women is, is unbelievable compared to men. You know, I mean, we joke about, um, uh, we joke about man flu. I, you know, and it, it is that kind of thing. I don't know if you, ever, I should have played, I should have got that video and downloaded it. You know, the one where the paramedics come in. Uh, yeah. And if you've not read it, just go to YouTube and Google man flu paramedics and see the video that comes up. A man gets a cold, the paramedics come in and help him. The woman gets a cold. They're just like, I'll oh, sort it out because, you know, you, you... and it's that kind of, um, I wonder if that strength sometimes, uh, which which comes from women actually intimidates men. Uh, if I'm honest yeah. with you. And um, uh, and it, it shouldn't do. Uh, but I, I think it does. Uh, and so, yeah, it's an interesting one. According to Matt Crew, I was there when Adam and Eve were in the garden. Uh, and apparently the Bible's first draft, I, I did. So <laughs> thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. Uh, so uh, the first question uh, that I've got on my list here that came in, are women created equally in God's image? I think we've answered that one. And we would both quite categorically say yes. Uh, yes. that we are all created with equal value and equal worth, and we should all be given equal dignity um and uh, and that is something that we hold to at, at, at crowd church and I think uh, there are reasons why we hold fast to that there's reasons why it 's great that Hannah speaks there's reasons why it 's great that women host like anna um, and we we value that here at crowd which leads me nicely on to the women in leadership question, which has come in. What do you, uh, what you're here hosting, you know, you're kind of leading crowds, So it's kind of self evident, but let's deal with that. Do you have an issue um, with women in leadership in the church?
1: No, I, I mean, I don't see any reason. I think, I think biblically there's multiple models of mm. women who did lead and did lead men. Um, you know, you see that in the Old Testament, and you see it in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I think there's like prophetesses, like um, and judges, like Deborah in the Old Testament, and there's there's leaders in the early church where men and women led to get led together as a couple.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I I think there's like multiple examples you can pull out, and um, no, I don't see any reason. I I think you know leadership, like any area of serving, um, should be based on talent and mm-hmm. skill, and have you got the right have you got the right Have you got the right heart to do it, and also have you got the right skill set to do it? Mm-hmm. Everybody likes to speak in front of people, and you know, on a big stage, do they? Um, and same with any other area of church, whether that's like leading the worship or mm-hmm. doing the youth work or anything else that you could do to serve in the church community. I think it should be based on and is really in in our kind of church based on skill and heart to mm-hmm. do something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Based on calling, isn't it? And I, I think um, I think there are plenty of men out there who think they need to do the speaking when actually their wife is a much better speaker and you just need to get out of the way. I think Sharon is a much better teacher than I am, for example. Uh, and so I, th- I think it's, um, it's one of those, isn't it, where... Over the years, I think there's been one or two scriptures, uh, uh, which we won't go into massively in the New Testament, which have been pulled out of context, or at least not understood. So there's a a verse in Ephesians which talks about uh, wives submit to your husbands. Mm -hmm. And then this has been lorded over women for a very long time. But the context of that whole passage, actually, Paul's talking to men uh, and he's like, no, you need to submit one to another, which was never done in that culture Men were not great towards women. And and Paul's going, no, no, you need to submit to them. And not only do you need to do that, uh, you need to uh, love them as Christ loved the church. Do you know what I mean? Uh, You need to respect them and honor them and do all of these amazing things uh, which they just weren't doing. And so I think we can, we're very good, I think, at taking one or two lines of scripture and pulling it massively out of context uh, without understanding the wider point um, and i think there are verses in the bible like that which we have pulled out of context and when you read it in in its entirety like there's another controversial set of verses in the book of corinthians um which is a fascinating one to me and again you we don't if we don't understand who paul is writing to uh, and why he's writing to them the way it is the rest of it kind of doesn't make It's easy, again, to pull it out of context. And I think when you understand what was going on at the time, when you understand the culture at the time, there's a great book, actually. If you want to get more into these types of things like um, should women wear head coverings and, you know, should women be silent in churches and a few other verses, which I think are pulled massively out of context. I don't think that they apply to us in this context by the way but if you want to know more there's a book out there called uh why not women which you should definitely read um and anything by kenneth e bailey uh i think he wrote a book called um i'll show i'll write it in the comments because i've got it uh, the mid middle east through paul's eyes or something like that and it would be really interesting because he explains the culture of what's going on so we are ver- one- Go on.
1: another one um um have you read anything by rachel held Evans?
0: She wrote, I personally uh, haven't known.
1: She, she wrote, wrote a book called um, "A Year of Biblical," a year of biblical womanhood, and she basically, in, as a modern day American Christian, lived like tried to live for months under all those kind of oh, wow. out of context scriptures, like wearing a head covering or, mm. um, or was defaulting to a husband before she spoke. Or, and yeah, it, it's quite an entertaining read, but I think. she she looks at it scripturally and stuff yeah yeah a bit
0: tongue-in-cheek yeah
1: I I agree it's I think it's so dangerous with the bible to read it out of context and Mm. you have to remember that those letters of Paul were a specific letter written to a specific church in a specific place and a specific Mm. time and it's not meant to be read by all churches as word for word you know for all cultures for all time in that way Mm. um so yeah context is really
0: important it really is especially with some of these letters and actually when you read the new testament i think actually rather than disempowering women it is actually radically countercultural and it
3: yeah.
0: and and paul uh my wife by the way spent a little bit of time writing some notes out for me god bless her um paul in galatians uh 328 said this there is neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female for all are one in christ jesus now this is a verse which you can quickly read over Um, but in effect what he's saying is we're all one we're all equal uh, in the eyes of christ and it refers specifically to an old jewish prayer which men would say every morning Uh, wasn't part of God's original plan. This is just men being men, right? Uh, When left alone, this is what they come up with. This was the prayer that they were praying. Blessed be he who did not make me a Gentile. Uh, uh, Blessed be he who did not make me a woman. And blessed be he who did not make me an an educated man or a slave. Um, And there that hence a reason paul goes well there's no 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 no. there's no jew nor greek there's no gentile what's wrong with you there's no male or female uh there's no slave nor free you are all one so he in effect eradicates that whole prayer with that one simple voice and this is what i think um you know this is what i mean when i say that i think the bible is radically counter-cultural so um let me ask you a question uh Anna, how, uh, and I'm just gonna go back to Hannah's questions here. So um, the question I think, especially towards men, is are you modeling how Jesus treats women? And we should all think about that. And I guess the question she asked to women, and let me ask you this question, how are you embracing the God-given identity that you have?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think a lot of that is about how you look and think about yourself as a woman. think women can be quite prone as a sex i think we can be quite prone to um, thinking too small of ourselves um to thinking badly of how we look being overcritical of ourselves um and so yeah seeing yourself as god sees you but also stepping up like if god's called you to lead if god's called you to lead whether that's in in your home in your workplace in the church or somewhere else you know stepping up and doing that and I think, mm. apologising for being a woman, but just getting on to doing it and not using it as an excuse, and not not kind of settling for people holding you back because of your sex. So yeah, mm. I think, yeah, there's lots, there's lots of ways we can do that, isn't there, as women?
0: Wonderful. And I think it's probably worth saying right here, if you've not grasped this point, yet, let me just say here that at Crowd Church we are. Um, We believe in the equality amongst the the sexes. And, and, uh, you know, I love it personally when women take their place in the kingdom of God and do what God has called them to do with bravery and courage, just as I enjoy it when men do that. Uh, And the challenge is on me uh, and on us men to, I think, just to think a little bit more um, uh, and to, and to ask ourselves that question, are we modeling how Jesus, Jesus treats women? Yes or no? One of the things, and I wanted to know your opinion on this. One of the things that came up a few years ago, I can't remember who said it, um, is that, uh, simple things like if you're, if it's dark and you're walking down the street and there is a woman in front of you to actually just cross over to the other side of the road and walk on that side of the road because of just that sense, do you know what I mean, that actually uh, of, of I don't know I can't remember the phrase they use, it's not dread and fear do you know what I mean, but it's a safety thing, isn't it? And yeah. do things like that, simple little things like that, do they matter, do you think?
1: Yeah I think, you know, it would be nice to live in a world where that didn't cross your mind as a woman it would be nice to live in a world where women never got attacked or raped or anything like that wouldn't it? Mm. But we're not there as a society. So I think, you know, while there is that slight query about am I safe as a woman walking out around at night on my own, I mean, it's not something I tend to do. I, I like to go running, um, and I only run in the evenings in the summertime when it's light. Um, that's just a safety thing that I've chosen mm. today. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's real. You know, we have to be, you know, most people are good, aren't they? But... Mm there are a few bad eggs out there and um yeah so i think anything that you can do to make women feel more respected more safe i i i think that's a good thing definitely
0: yeah absolutely that's interesting um so uh for those of you wondering, yes, that is a vaping device. <laughs> no, sorry, this is my pen. Uh, just to be clear, uh, I take lots of notes during the live streams, and so this is my pen. I don't. I, it's, anyway, I'll put it down now. Um, Matt Cox has written here, I don't get men who are disrespectful to women. I really don't. Whenever I see it, it is so ugly, and it makes that man not much of a man in my eyes. And I would give my hearty amen to that comment, Mr. Cox. Um, definitely. Uh, Matt Cruz said women are amazing they deserve respect and that is actually very very true The books that I was talking about earlier Sharon has indeed put uh, in the comments. Why not women? uh, Is an easy read by Lauren Cunningham Uh, And then pull through Mediterranean eyes was the book that I was trying to think of by Kenneth Bailey It's not as easy a read But if you really want to study one Corinthians it is definitely worth having a look at so hopefully you have uh, found conversation street a little bit more interesting uh as we've been talking about what does the bible say about women so Anna thank you for joining me um and thank you for being I'm in this conversation I, I it was interesting because originally you were supposed to host with Rach mm-hmm. and Rach couldn't make it tonight unfortunately so um I kind of had to step in had to step in I mean I was quite happy to do it um and I said to Sharon I said I'm not sure if I should do this or whether you should you know, host, whether it should be two women talking about what does the Bible say about women. Because it and Sharon's like, No, 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 you definitely need to get in there and do it because actually as a man you have a you know, I can talk to men and I I'm, and it's actually just as good for men to promote the cause of women than it as it is for women to promote the cause yeah. of women. And um and I would actually it challenged me a little bit because it's easy I think in modern day culture as a man just to, to not get involved. Do you know what I mean? Think, oh I can't get involved, I can't say anything um but i think actually we should uh and i think we we should uh we should as hannah has said many times uh treat women as jesus treated women so uh andy well done for stepping in matt you've done great oh that was from your husband so
1: uh, (laughs) thank Exactly. Thanks, Andy. Nice. I
0: appreciate that. He's
1: probably just logged on at the end because he's managed to get the little one down.
0: <laughs> hey, Andy, how did your wife do? That's what I really want to know. Has she done great as well? Uh, no, don't write the, if just don't write anything disparaging in the comments. Uh, what's happening next week? Uh, that's a good question. And don't forget the clock's changing a fortnight. Uh, that's a public service announcement Announcement from Macro. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate that. So, uh, what is happening next week? That's a really good question. I will find out. Just bear me one second while I while I pull up. Uh, oh, stupid internet. Why I would tell working?
1: you, but I don't actually know.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> do you not? Uh, and we've not had the conversation, do we? So next week is is Sherlon uh, is speaking. Actually, what does the Bible say about prayer? Which is going to be super handy, uh, given what we're talking about with Ukraine. Um, uh, and Andy's put here. No, she is was great. I've been tuned in the whole time. <laughs> so just to clarify sure. that, uh, just extra clarify.
1: brownie points,
0: ever. Extra brownie points, absolutely. So yeah, join us next week when we have Sherlon. Uh, what does the Bible say about prayer? I'm going to be hosting that with Dan Orange, and Dan's going to be here hopefully next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. Um, in the meantime. Uh, we are going to close tonight's service with another worship track. When that worship track uh, finishes, the live stream will end automatically. Uh, and so, thank, uh, we're just going to say now, thanks for joining us. It's been great you're here. Thanks for joining in with the comments, uh, adding your viewpoints, um, and uh, and and yeah, contributing to the conversation. It's been fantastic. So, uh, anything else from you, Mrs. Kettle? No, I've
1: really enjoyed today's chat. I think it's a really fascinating and important area to talk about. And yeah, everyone just have a great week and I'll see you soon.
0: Absolutely. And let's keep talking about it, as they say. Let's mm. keep talking about it. So, yes, have a fantastic week. I will be back again next week, like I say, with Dan Orange and Sherlon talking about prayer. Have a super week. Bless you. And uh, we'll see you real, real soon.
1: Bye.
3: I'm